parts of our first service. It makes it a great opportunity for us to be about our day and stuff. But the reason that we started a first service is so that we would have room to grow. Amen. And so with that, what we're asking to do is partner with us. We want you uh, not just to pretend, but to have the mindset that this is a brand new church that we're planting. That this service is like a brand new church. We're starting out, we're planting a brand new church. Because we believe God set us here to reach the lost of our county. Amen? And so in coming to church, Lord, the, the, look at this great provision that God's given us. Look at all the room that he made for souls to be saved here, for people to come in to be edified. So what a great resource we have. That What a great tool that God's put at our hands for us to use for his glory. Amen? And I'm going to share some things with you in a minute just about this morning. We're going to kick the devil's hiney. Amen? And uh, I, I stole a book, uh, Blaine Bartell, youth pastor for Willie George years ago. We used to have his mini book that he wrote for teenagers called, his title was Kicking Devil Heine. Amen. There, 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 there's another book that, that another person wrote, A.W. Tozier had a book that he wrote. I bought it just for the title to it. said, I talk back to the devil. <laughs> Amen. And uh, in doing that. But this morning, we just want to encourage you that to be an evangelist for the Lord. Reach out. Let God use you to do great things. And uh, just before I get in the word, just as, as a way of knowing, as Sean was saying, there's, such, there, there's a powerful anointing right now, I believe, being released in the earth. And, and, and things are happening in churches, and, and God is doing things all over the place. But uh, it's just, I mean, we're hearing testimonies of people all over being healed. I'll share with you more what happened Sunday night at Vacaville, and just great things. What God did here, he did there Sunday night, and uh, just a great, great move of God. But uh, it, it's so easy. Uh, uh, Shane Eastman, the young men there in Vacaville, have been asking, it's been four years and he's been trying to get me to come play golf with him. He's invited us, and we need to hook up, we need to hook up. So finally on Wednesday, I went over and played golf in Wednesday afternoon in Vacaville, or actually in Fairfield. And uh, we're on about the fifth tee, and these two uh, gentlemen who are, they're, they're retired, but they're, they, they just look like they play golf all the time. So they're going really fast, and we were going fairly slow. And so they come up behind us and said, do you mind if we play through? And the one gentleman said, uh, hey, if you let us go through, you, you, uh, we promise you won't see us again forever. I said, man, forever is a long time. I said, but I will see you again if you're going to heaven. And I go, oh, uh, and then I started balking. So the one guy was teeing off, and I walk up to the other, the other guy, and I said, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And he goes, yes, but I'm not as confident as you are that I'm going. <laughs> Amen. And I just said, well, you know, the Lord said you could be. So this is the confidence that we have in God. And so just in a moment there, but just to open it, he didn't get mad. He didn't tell me not to do it. He was open, and then he's walking away. I said, hey, you can be sure. He goes, man, i got to work on that. I said, amen. <laughs> but, but, but just God, there, there's an openness that people will allow you to speak into their lives. Amen? It, it just is, and then the gentleman that Shane had playing with us, and that, and uh, through the whole day, when we got done at the last hole, I just put my arm around. I said, Tim, you know the Lord. I said, we played this whole game of golf today. I said, I may never see you again. Do you know the Lord is your Savior? And he just goes, yeah. Uh, but, 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 but I just, I said, well, where do you go to church? He says, I don't. I said, well, why not? He said, well, when we moved up here from San Diego, I just got busy with life, and I never found a good church. I said, man, you're playing golf with a guy that goes to a great church, Harvest is a great church. He goes, man, I, I, you're right. I need to give my life back to God, get back in church. I, it's just God will move in your life. It, but you have to be bold enough just to believe that God will use you to reach out and encourage somebody. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me just say this real quick. I, I, I asked them to, uh, to uh, put this together. I want you to watch Dr. Huddleston. This is powerful for all us men. This weekend, the information's been out there, but this coming weekend is a Man Up Men's Conference out at Capital Christian Center. And guys, if you want to go and get the information, you can register online. But look, if you have that, go ahead and play that for me. Welcome sir. to the morning. Hopeful, optimistic, and encouraging. First thing I do in the morning. Yeah. What do you do with my 
Amen. Amen. Time to man up. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is not dead. Praise the Lord. And he will live and work through our lives. Father, I thank you that in these next few moments, Lord, Lord, that we have together, God, you are here present with us. Father, it is your will for you to be known and for us to know you in your fullness and your power and all that you are. Father, we bless you today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do what only you can do. Only you can open our eyes to see the truth that's in the word. Only you can open our ears to hear it. And only you can open our hearts to receive it. So work in us. Do what only you can do. Bring truth and understanding and clarity to our lives. Build and strengthen our faith today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to, uh, actually, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 103 first. How many of you last week received an answer in the house? God did something in your life. Becca, what happened? You were healed of what? Yeah gotten sick since last week hallelujah amen clifton uh, what, what happened right there on the spot amen hallelujah god's good amen your son got delivered amen hallelujah glory to god anybody else last week sean Amen. 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 Barbara. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, that is, now I'm, I'm just taking a minute to get into this this morning, but if we went around the room and I asked you, what is to be the norm of Christian life? We'd, we'd probably get a lot of varied answers. Amen? Norm. Nan, what happened? 
Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God comes through. Amen. An oppression that had been on her. Was it nine years or 14 years? 14 years. An oppression over her life for 14 years. Set free in a moment Sunday morning. Amen. Hallelujah. That's supposed to be the norm. Okay, that's the norm. Now, let me put you this way. That is also what people will tell us today if you started asking that that's not for today. That God doesn't do that, to do that today. Well, wait a minute. Somebody forgot to tell him and her and her and her and her and him. <laughs> Amen. Wow. And we didn't even got to second service yet. Second service, there's twice as many people that answered the altar call and God did things in their life. Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his what? Holy, Holy name. And forget not what? All his benefits. <coughs> who forgives what? All our iniquity. Who heals what? All of your diseases. Who redeems your life from what? Destruction. Who crowns you with what? Loving kindness and tender mercy. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your renew youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. And I said it a few weeks ago when I talked about the Holy Spirit living in us. And that's inwardly. Paul said, though my outward man is perishing, you cannot stop the aging process. My grandfather, the weekend I was with him before he passed away, he said, son, there's one thing that you can't pray against, and that's to stop the aging process. But just because my body is aging, my youth is being renewed inwardly. On the inside, I am a young man. My, your life is not not in your body your life is in your spirit and and, and uh, in fact I had a conversation with one lady Tuesday night after church and 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 the question and it kind of came up we're talking about healing and she says well the ultimate healing is when you go to heaven I said no it's not because the body that needed to be healing stayed here your spirit went to heaven your body didn't go to heaven and get made new your body stayed right here it's going to be transformed it's going to be turned into incorruptible in the resurrection but until the resurrection that dead decayed thing staying here amen being delivered from that being taken out of your body isn't healing healing is for your physical body for this this flesh so God said this flesh should be healed and that's what God did he touched and healed our flesh our bodies amen and that's important go with me to Psalms 107 Psalms 107 and verse 20 says this, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. God has sent His word to you to heal and deliver you from all of your destruction. Oh, that men would give thanks to the good Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. That's to be the norm. Amen? Look at the cover of your outline, if you would. Well, b just before I get there, let me just say this about giving and, and supporting and financing the church and doing that. I, I did a little look a while back, and, and uh, I, I've, I've been doing some research and that, and I've heard some statements nationally about giving. And uh, how many of you, if you had a business, and let's say 3% of the people that patronized your business actually paid for what they got from your business? How many would be able to stay in business? Okay, what if 12 to 15% supported your business when they came in? How many could do that? That just wouldn't happen. How many of people came to your business and partook of what you offered for your business and only gave you what they thought it was worth, not what you priced it at? That's called a yard sale. <laughs> Amen? Well, with the church, that's what's happened to the church, to the body of Christ. And what I'm saying is that when, when people come to church and you support the church, the ministry, what happens here is the services that we provide. But when you're a tither, when you're a giver and you're plugged in and supporting. And so I was curious because they said Barna did the research and said nationally only 3% of Christians support their churches financially, biblically. 
me meaning that they're tithers and, and, and biblical givers, 3%. So I said, Lord, where's our church? So our church is between 12 to 15%. So we're three to five times higher than the national average. But that still means 85% of our congregation is below that. And so there's no business in the world that could survive with that type of economy. How many know what I'm saying? And so when ministry comes, it's so important that I understand, wait a minute, it's not just about what I perceive, but I believe in this. There are business, it's kind of like this. How many uh, businesses in El Dorado County would survive if everybody quit shopping locally and shopped on the Internet? So how is the church supposed to survive if everybody's supporting TV evangelists? <laughs> I'm just uh, so I'm, I'm just talking practically about what we do and how important church because watch what happened because we're here and people are supporting look what happened somebody got healed instantly on the spot somebody got delivered after 14 years of bond. now I don't know about you I love a good restaurant but that's better than anything I've ever eaten right there amen Go ahead, give the Lord a praise. I'm just saying. So sometimes sometime just a little shift on our perception of why we support, why we give. Why does the church ask for help and ask for support? Because God said that there would be food, there would be meat, there would be supply in my house. So when you give to make church possible and you support a church and ministry, that's what you're making provision for. Amen? Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I want you to read just a couple verses with me. We're going to read Luke 9 and Luke 10 and uh, just a few verses. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons. Listen to that again. He called his disciples together, gave them power and authority over what? All demons, devils, and look at the next name, and to cure diseases. And to cure diseases, not just to pray for the sick. But to cure disease, the key is, is that we learn how to pray and then to come out of prayer and walk in power. We're supposed to pray and then come out of prayer and walk in power. Acts, when, when, when Peter was called to raise Dorcas from the dead, it says that he prayed and then turning to the body said, Tabitha, arise. Amen. And so prayer is in communion, in fellowship, where you get the revelation, you get the wisdom, you get the word of knowledge, you, you get the direction from God, and then we go out and we do the work. Are you with me? And so he's sending them and he's equipping them to do the work. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God, and look at verse 2 again, and to heal the sick. And when we understand that, this morning I'm just talking to you about the norm and how to kick some devil hiney. Amen. Now, go over and people say, oh, okay, that's the apostles. Turn over to chapter 10. Okay. Now, it's amazing because Jesus didn't just have the 12 with him. Here it says that he had 70 others that were 70 other disciples that were following him and ministering to him. So in his crowd, basically, he, he has like 82. If we just took the 70 and the 12, he's got like 82 people plus himself. That's 83 people that he's supporting, that they're hanging out with him and he's taking care of. I mean, they're there with him. So watch. Then he calls. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would go. And he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the labors are few. Pray for the Lord, the harvest, to send out labors into his harvest. Go your way. I send you out as lambs among wool, carrying neither money bag, sack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whenever house you enter, say to that house... Peace to this house, and if the son of peace uh, will rest on it, if not, it will return to you. Remain in that same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborers worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, receive you. Eat such things as are set before you. Look at verse 9. Heal the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom has come near to you. So the same commission he gave to the twelve, he gave to the seventy. Amen. Skip down to verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even what? The demons are subject to us in your name. 
Amen. Now look at the cover of your outline. So again, if we went around the room, began to take a survey, what is the norm of Christian life, we would discover, I'm fairly confident, that there would be a variety of response. The Bible, the Word of God, declares that the norm is to be a life of power and authority in Christ over all the power of the enemy, over all devils, all disease, all lack, all fear, to literally live free and to set captives free. How many agree? That's the norm of every believer's life, not just the guy who shows up on a Sunday unexpectedly and, and, and you hear his testimony, not just for Lester Hughes, not just for pastors, not just for priests, but for every believer, it was for the 12 and it was for the 70. The norm of God for your life is that you would be a person who knows how to walk in fellowship with God, in communion with God, and live in the life of the Spirit and live a life of power, setting captives free every believer is to be a liberator for the kingdom of God. Jesus began his ministry at the River Jordan, being baptized by John in the Jordan River, and with the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove, with the voice of the Father confirming his sonship, that day church changed forever. On that day, church changed forever. Because Jesus, after that day, began going into synagogues, going into church, and every time he went into church, he changed what normally happened. He changed the way the word was declared. He changed the kind of activities that were taking place there. Everything changed on that day forever. The new norm had been established. They had been in a pattern, they, they, they had been accustomed to things, and they got around, they talked about God, they, they believed in God, they, they had great discussions about God, they had great pomp and circumstance around God, they had beautiful decorations, they had everything going on, but there was no power of God, and there was no authority in the house. And when he showed up, he came with power, and he came with authority. From that day on, when he went to church, he revealed what the new norm was to be. I put it like this, to kick devil hiney. Amen? He healed the sick. He cast out devils. He preached with authority. He walks in in Luke 4. There, you can read these references later. Luke 4 said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to open blind eyes, to, to preach recovery of sight to the blind, and to, to set captives free, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen? And then he goes into another place in Mark chapter 1, you read it, he goes in there and a devil manifests. And then he casts out a devil and it says that he was speaking the word with power, and with authority, not like the tradition that was there. So the norm had changed. And every time Jesus went to church and he acted not according to the normal tradition, they tried to run him out of church or they tried to kill him. And the reason that he was plotted against because he messed up people's normal religion. Jesus is still here to mess up your, if you just have fallen into normal religion, the Lord's getting ready to mess you up. Now hear this, the devil knows that he is a defeated foe. He knows his power has been stripped. He knows in Christ that you have authority to kick his hiney up and down the block and require that he releases his hold upon you and everyone under his influence. He just doesn't want you to know it. You've heard me say it before. The devil wants you to believe what he knows is not true. He knows that in Christ, you as a born-again, spirit-filled believer, you have authority over him. He knows that. He wants you to believe that it's not true. He wants you to believe that only a select person, only a few people, only special people, God only anoints special people. He wants you to believe that there's only a handful of men of faith and power for the hour. You're the man, you're the woman of faith, and you have the power for right now in Jesus' name. In your life, in your home. God has made, when, Paul, when Peter wrote to the church, he, he said that he has made us all kings and priests unto our God. With the whole house is anointed. Amen. That's the great thing. Jesus said when the Holy Ghost comes, God's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. Anybody here have flesh today? 
If you have flesh, you're a candidate for the anointing of God. And it is not you, it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. Clifton, it's not just being able to come to prayer and be healed, but it's knowing that God showed you, son, if I can heal you, then I can touch others through you. The same way I touched you, I will touch others through your life. Every one of us, God will use us mightily for his glory. When we get saved, we become servants of the Lord. God, how can I serve you? Let me anoint you. Let me as your Lord provide you with everything you need to serve me. I will give you my name. I will give you my authority. I will give you my power. Now go and bring glory to my name. I've equipped you to serve me by walking in my power. Amen. Think about this today. He just doesn't want you to know it or for you to walk in your God-given authority over him. There is a necessity for us to be aware of the tactics and strategies of the enemy. Anytime God does something in your life, the enemy will immediately come to attempt to steal, kill, and destroy the work of God in your life. Anytime you get a healing, you get a breakthrough, you get an answer, it's almost like you can be guaranteed immediately the enemy's going to come. I preached part of this Tuesday night. I said, that's it. I'm preaching it again Sunday morning. Because God did so many things in people's lives, but, but we miss it in the area that we just, if you don't press forward, the devil will pull you back. If you don't aggressively take a stand, he will pull you back. So anytime God does something in your life, the enemy will immediately come and attempt to steal, kill, and destroy the work of God in your life. He is no respecter of persons. You need to hear this. He hates God. The devil hates God. Satan hates God. He rose up in rebellion against him. Read your Bible. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He rose up, said, I will ascend my throne above the Most High. I will exalt myself above God. And he broke out in rebellion against God. And God judged him and cast him down. And since that day, he has been in an all-out assault against God. And anything that is God, he is is the adversary of your soul. And he wars against you. And and, and he makes it clearly plain what he intends to do. Stay with me. He hates God. He hates anything and everything that God does in your life. Satan never changes his tactic and people still fall for it. From the beginning, he hasn't changed. He works the same way as he did in the garden. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He uses those same three tactics against every person who ever falls or gets caught into sin. It will be in one of those three areas. Every time. And if you read Mark chapter 4, we don't have time to read it, but in the parable of the sower, the Bible says when the word of God is sown in someone's heart, immediately the enemy comes to steal what was sown in their heart. Immediately the enemy comes to steal what was sown in their heart. So the moment while you're rejoicing, immediately he's coming. So how do I protect myself? How do I keep what God is doing in my life? We're going to get to that in just a moment. So watch this. Jesus said that the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so what he does, if he can't immediately snatch it out of your heart, if he can't get you to agree immediately that God didn't work, that it's not true, that that's not for you, then the next thing he'll know, he'll turn up the heat just a little bit. Because he says, if the word does take a little bit of root in your life, if there's shallow ground, then the word takes root. But when persecution and affliction comes for the word's sake, then that heat scorches the word and it dies. Many people, when a little bit of pressure comes, under pressure, they give up. Okay? Well, if you make it through the pressure, he says, I know what I'll do. This is the best. This always works. I'll lull them to sleep. The word will grow. It'll be productive in their life. I don't care if it's get productive. Because gradually, I'll entice them with the cares of this world. I'll get them caught up with cares of living. And then I'll stir up in them the desire for more things. And then I'll get them to caught up in the deceitfulness of wealth and riches. And through cares and desires and lust, I will choke the word out and it will be non-productive in their life. You have, an, you have a devil who hates you. 
It's the devil who hates your soul, hates anything God does in your life, and he'll gradually do that. And, and we all have faced those areas of being too caught up with cares. I should get a few amens right here. Of being, thinking I'd need too much stuff. Amen? Or thinking that if I just had more money, I'd have my answer. Amen. Do you know why giving is not where it should be in the church? Because people believe money is a better answer for their life than God. And I'll move right on from there. Amen. Mark chapter 12, watch it. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, the devil has made his intention clear to us. He will return. He comes back in the exact same way as before. When you get a healing, the devil tries to tell you you didn't give it, and he'll cause a pain in that place in your life. He'll, cause, he'll make it feel like, look like, act like, seem like you didn't receive it. He is a lying spirit. A lying spirit. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. There is no truth in him. Are you listening to me this morning? Say, Pastor, you're kind of, I, I am, I, I said it Tuesday night, I am very intense about that because God's people are getting ripped off. I, I get kind of intense about injustice. Uh, 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 last year, I was at Sam's buying some gas. I told the story a while back, but, but this, so you un, just understand me. I'm buying some gas, and, and, and I'm on the far pump on this side over here, and this lady's on the far side over there, and when you come in by the driveway, you, you can actually... Uh, if, you, if people pull close and you're behind them, you can drive around them and move up and stuff. Well, this lady pulled up to the pump, and uh, she didn't, the, the way she did it, she didn't pull up far enough. And this guy was mad because he couldn't get around and get up in front to get gas. And he gets out and starts cussing this lady out at the pump. And people just stand around being uncomfortable, and they're just walking there. And, and, and I'm starting to boil. I, I'm just starting to boil. And so finally, I just yell, hey, <laughs> shut your mouth and get back in your car. You have no right to talk to a woman like that. I will not talk. And I'm walking to, I'm done now. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> Amen. I'm serious. I'd have gone, I, I, was, I was ready to grab him. Grab me. Yeah, like Pastor, I'd give him the five-fold ministry. <laughs> I was ready to grab him by the scruff of the neck and the seat of the pen. I, I'm, I'm, I was ready to fight. I'm done. Whether is you have no right, I don't care what. Just because you're five, you, f three minutes, five minutes, you're going to get out and cuss a woman out in public, dude. You're, you you are not a man. You're a punk. Amen. Amen. And you deserve your hiney being beaten in public because you acted out in public. You need to get it where you gave it. Then move right along. Amen. And, and so, but, but why? Here's what I see in the same way. And sometimes people are, Pastor, why do you get so intent? Because the devil is ch challenging you. He's putting you down. He's intimidating you. He is on top of you. And unless you rise up and say, no more. No. No. He will not respect you. That's why Jesus came and he came with power and he came with authority. Well, devil, would you leave me alone? <laughs> Amen. Watch. He knows that he's coming back. Listen to Matthew chapter 12. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says what? It's right there in your outline. What's he say? He says what? He says what? So you drive him out, and he wanders around for a while, and then he says what? I will return. And he comes right back to the place he was driven out of, and he is all, Jesus said, this is the devil's sworn intention to get your life. When God heals you, he's going to come back with a lying symptom. When God sets you free, he's going to come back and say, no, see, you didn't get it. And he will always come back, and he will try to get back in. Now listen, what the he doesn't just come back the same, though. From which I came out. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. So if you let him back in, that thing intensifies sevenfold. That's not good. 
And the last state of that man is worse than the first, and so shall it be also with this wicked generation. Now watch, what that means is, is that if I allow that to happen, and I've seen it over all these years of pastoring, I've seen God move in people's lives, and then the devil fulfill his sworn intention, and people go back to agreeing with the devil instead of resisting him with the word of God. And they speak in agreement with him. Never do that. We must completely, write this down. How many have ever heard of a home invasion robbery? That's what the devil does. He comes to invade your home. A home invasion robbery is when they just break in the door and they come in and they steal and they plunder and they take captive. That is the heart of the devil towards every person on this planet. Every man, woman, and child is made in the image of God. And the devil seeks to break in, invade their lives, invade their house, take them captive, and possess all of their goods. Just saying. Amen. Watch it. We must completely renounce all ties with him. Never claim or confess a work of the devil as your own. Everybody look right here. If you have been dealing with allergies in your body, never call them yours. If it is a sickness in your life, if people say, my, I've heard people say, my migraines, my allergies, my this, my that, my arthritis, my diabetes, my whatever. Never agree with the devil. Agree with the word of God. Speak the word. If it comes against you, confess your healing, not your symptom. Speak your answer, not your problem. Quit saying, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. Okay. Okay. What did Paul say to Timothy? God has not given you what? No, 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 just listen to what you said. God has not given you what? A spirit of fear. A spirit of fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So when you are confessing fear, what are you agreeing with? A demon. No. The devil is more subtle than any creature. In subtle, well, you know, I, no, I'm, just, I'm just being practical. No, you're not. You're agreeing with the devil. And if two agree, so be it. If you, if you and God agree, so be it. If you and the devil agree, so here's, here, here's what we meant. The Word of God is a book of principles. And if you do, it's not old and new. There is no old and new. I mean, there is in the form of covenant in what Jesus fulfilled, but the principles of the word are eternal. Look at what, what Paul now abide the and, and these three graces are eternal: faith, hope, and love. What are we called to live by? Everything in the Word of God is based upon faith, hope, and love. The principles of God are eternal, and so that nothing died in the old. The principles did not pass away; they continue on. Are you doing all right? So never agree, never call sickness yours, never give your agreement to the works of the devil. Matthew 8, I don't have time to read it this morning. Matthew 8, it says there that in the evening when Jesus is in the house, they brought all the people to him, the sick, and he fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah 600 years earlier. Isaiah prophesied, he has borne our sicknesses and he has carried our grief. He himself bore our sicknesses and carried our grief. He took that off of us and took it upon himself and when we come to Easter he nailed it to the cross and so your victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ he took what was upon you and put it upon himself the same way that he took your sin he took everything connected to your sin which is sin and sickness and disease and every yoke and every weight of bondage that the enemy has placed on he took it from you but when you agree and you say it's mine it's mine it's mine are you ready? Go with me to Proverbs chapter 13 real quick. I'm way ahead of myself, but I'm running out of time, so I have to give you this now. Are you getting this this morning? It is so important. 
Proverbs chapter 12. Watch this with me. Proverbs 12 and verse 14. A man will be satisfied with the good fruit of his mouth. A man will be satisfied with the good fruit of his mouth. What comes out of your eye. Matthew 12, Jesus said it like this. For every idle word you speak, you will be judged. A good man, now the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. Speaking words. Speaking words. Because they had said, Jesus is saying that because they said he cast out devils by the power of the devil by Beelzebub. And Jesus called it blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. And when you and I agree with sickness and disease, you're speaking against the Holy Ghost. Ooh. <coughs> Amen. Verse 18, Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes what? Health. Look over at chapter uh, 13, verses 2 and 3. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but when he opens wide his lips, shall have dis- but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Wow. You want one more? Psalms 141. This is, this is just wisdom right here. Psalms 141. Lord, I cry out at verse 1. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as an incense, the lifting up my hand as the evening sacrifice. Look at verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep a watch over the door of my lips. God, guard my mouth. Guard, guard my lips. Watch, help me. Set, set a guard over my words. Check me before I speak. Let, let, let me hear what I'm saying. Make sure that my words are your words. Are you with me this morning? Okay, quickly go back to your outline. Let me get you through this. Hear me. Almost every healing in the gospel is attributed to a spirit of infirmity. I don't have time to read it all in Luke 13. Here's the woman bound over for 13 years, uh, for 18 years. Jesus comes into church, and he's walking in church. Here's a lady who's been going to the same church for 18 years and never got any better. Going to the same church, never got, they, they, they had a norm. There was a normality to what they were doing, their routine. They had the same church. They were preaching the same word that Jesus was preaching. They had the same, Jesus didn't bring a new Bible, he didn't bring a new word. He's preaching the same, he's preaching out the same word, the same Torah, the, the, the same gospel, I, I mean, b- Bible, if you would, that they had. But he just said, wait a minute, we're not seeing it made manifest. This is her right. She is the daughter of Abraham. Ought not this woman whom Satan is bound, I, I like what it said, the translation that you have in there. He says, shouldn't this woman whom Satan is bound, listen to what he said, think about it for 18 years. Whom the devil has bound for 18 years, be set free since she's a daughter of Abraham. You are not just a daughter of a, a daughter or son of Abraham. You are the child of God. You are born again. You are a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil is not supposed to have control over your life, either in your physical body, in your mind, in any area, unless you let him there. You are the authority over your life, and you have to decide to bring yourself under the authority of God. I'm not going to bring myself out under the authority of God. First uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, write it down. Colossians 1 13 says, God has translated you out from under the powers of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his son. God brought you out of darkness and brought you into his, out from under the powers of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his son. And so we choose to keep myself there. That's why Jesus Jude wrote, he wrote, said, hey, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep praying in the Holy Ghost. When my mind starts to run off, pray in the Holy Ghost. Why doesn't the devil want you praying in tongues? Why doesn't he want you filled with the Holy Ghost? Because that's how you keep yourself in the love of God. You keep yourself sin. How do you bring your mind under control? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
So watch this. The devil is an oppressor, and the problem is people don't take him seriously enough. Acts 10, 38. This Jesus, whom God anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's what Jesus did. His whole ministry is that he went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Oh, my God. I don't know what we're going to do. How's this going to work out? Well, you know, this just happened. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, wow. That's an oppression. That's oppression. That's not freedom. That's not liberty. When you start talking like that, you begin to feel constricted in your spirit. You don't feel free. You don't have joy. Joy goes out the window. Could it, do I have any friends in the house this morning? It just goes out the window. And so you have to decide, wait, I'm not going to agree with that. That is not coming from God. That, 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 that thought does not come from God. Who's telling me I can't? Who's telling me I don't have? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. When it looks impossible with men, Jesus said it is impossible with God. When I'm up against a wall, it's time for a miracle. Even if i got to walk around the daggum thing for seven days and just be quiet and obey the voice of the Lord, God said, you just keep walking and you just keep praying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I'm just going to worship. You. I'm just going to worship you. Lord, I don't care if it's still standing. You said if I'd believe, if I would believe, I would see the power of God. You said to Martha, if you believe, you'll see the power of God. If you believe, you'll see the power of God. So I just walk and I'm, my job is to believe. And then he just said, now shout. And then the walls come down. Amen? Hallelujah. The devil is an oppressor. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, hear it, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. Jesus came in the flesh, was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. And it's time for the church to quit empowering him and start defeating him. El Dorado County needs to experience the delivering power of God. Amen. And it's going to come through our life. Hear me this morning. Whoever controls your spirit controls your soul. And whoever controls your soul controls your body. Your spirit is to be in control of your mind, your thought life, how you think. You're to have spirit-led thought. That's why Paul said, hey, think on these things. If there's anything lovely, just pure, honest of a good report. If there be any virtue, any praise, think on that stuff. Don't think on the negative. Don't think on the impossible. Don't think on the sickness. Don't think on the disease. Don't think on the lack. Don't think on this. Don't, th don't think about that. Be responsible. Be responsible. But don't think on that. Get a hold of the Word of God. God, what? That, that's why Jesus said, hey, guys, let's feed the multitude. With what? He didn't ask you to do it if he didn't know how to feed them. And, and so Jesus just takes what he had and, 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 he, and he breaks it and he lifts it. And the moment he blessed and lifted up to heaven, it became filled with the abundance of heaven. And he fed them from heaven. Your provision isn't in what you see. Your provision is in him. Every need, every answer. Are you with me this morning? Teresa, can you come back to the keyboard? So what do we do? I don't have time. There's all this in here. Ephesians 4 says, give him no place. 1 Peter 5, be or to be watchful, to resist him, for he is seeking whom he may devour. 2 Timothy 2, he wants people under his control. 2 Timothy 2 is a good one to read because it said people get caught up in all their bickering, all their different opinions about everything. And it says in doing that, Satan has literally taken them captive to do his will. Wow. And that God will require. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says we're not to be ignorant of his devices. The curse of the law came in the area of finances, emotions, health, mental and physical, and our spiritual life. And other areas as well. But primarily in those three areas. So why we pray we didn't put everything up there. We put primary areas that deal with being redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. But that encompasses everything about our life. So what do I do? It's here you can study it out. The first thing you need to do, what, what, what are our weapons of defense? Number one is your confession. I, I mean, is speaking the word. 
Speak the word only. We read those scriptures that I have in there. Have God set a watch at your mouth. Psalms 141. Set a guard at the door of your mouth. God, help me guard what I say. Help me guard what I say. The centurion came to Jesus. Said, Lord, just speak the word in my servant. All I need, the centurion literally said, all I need is your word. When you settle that, that all you need is his word, it's done. Lord, all I need is your word. All I need, if, if I have that. If, if I, can, I can go back to my life and my ministry, and there's times where I've literally felt that I've heard the word of the Lord. And, and I knew, God, I've heard your word, that's it. It doesn't matter whether I have five cents. It doesn't matter what I feel in my body. I know that, I, that you are my answer. That's it. From that moment on, all you hear me say is this too shall pass. God will provide whatever it may be. All I know that I've heard the word of the Lord. Speak your word. And my servant will be healed. That's what Jesus did when the tempter came to him. He said, it is written, it is written, and it is written. The only thing you need is to be convinced that the word of God is true. And the neck that leads right into your confession. What you say out of your mouth is what you reap in your life. What you're sowing with your word is the most powerful act that you have in your life. What you're saying. If you're saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, then you never will. If you're saying, I can and I am, Jesus said to declare, the word of God tells you to declare you can and you are. You can and you are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become anew. Your outward man is perishing, but your inward man is being renewed day by day. I have the mind to cry. I think the thoughts of God. I, I have renewed mine. I have restored mine. I have health on the inside of me. I'm strong to do the will of God all the days of my life. I will speak and I will declare. David said, I I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, I thank you that I have a promise and a hope of heaven. But God, I'm living right here. I don't want to leave here. My work isn't done here. So I'm not looking to, to see my answer there. I'm looking to walk in your provision here. Hallelujah. When my time is done, I have full assurance that I'm going to heaven. But while I'm here, I'm believing that I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Shout amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Stand to your feet this morning.